G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, a focus today on outback communities, sometimes where the presence of a minister of the gospel is rare. It's common in the outback that for those living on cattle or sheep stations or in farming communities, that people may be hours away from a local church. So being encouraged in your faith is often a challenge. And then there are the extra challenges around marking special milestones like weddings or christenings and funerals for individuals and for families. Now, while there are some seemingly insurmountable challenges that people in Outback Australia face, like drought, floods, financial and family pressures, let's get a focus today on how spiritual needs might be met. Pastor Liz Howland from Ray of Hope Ministries is loading up her vehicle and a caravan and preparing for another three months pastoral tour into the outback. Liz was born into a pioneering Queensland rural family and then for many years she worked tirelessly alongside her husband managing and owning cattle properties. She bred stud cattle and horses. She raised her four sons. And these days, Liz travels extensively into remote outback communities in New South Wales, in Queensland and into the Northern Territory, often sleeping in a tent when necessary and has her vehicle laden with materials that help those facing many, many challenges. Pastor Liz Howland from Ray of Hope Ministries, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Lovely to be here. Liz, I mentioned you're loading up your vehicle and a caravan, and there's a lot of preparation that goes into this, but you're almost ready to hit the trail. Yes, I should be leaving within 10 days, all going well. And of course, uh, when you are heading off, you're heading off from Brisbane, and you're going inland. Mm. So inland, you'll end up at... uh, Dolby is always your first port of call. Yes. Uh, so what what will you do from Dolby? Well, once I get away from home and attend to all of the needs on every front and get everything organised well, um, I just need a couple of days just to be still. And at Dolby, I wait upon the Lord. And every year, that's my stepping off point because I have in my head where I think I meant to go first. But when I just wait and pray... Sometimes I'll be sent in a completely different direction. And so that's the most valuable. That's God knows everything. He knows all the needs and all the areas that need help most. So in Dolby, is there is that like a fork in the road? You can go south, you can go north, you can go further west. Uh, is that Dolby is a really quite a strategic spot for doing that time, waiting on the Lord? It absolutely is. And when the Lord downloaded the vision to me 15 or more years ago, um, That was what he said, pitch your tent at Dolby and wait upon me and I will show you which roads to go down. Okay, and in previous times when you've done that, uh, settled there in Dolby for a short time, uh, give us some some indication here. I mean, how does, you know, we talk about uh, having inspiration from God, uh, waiting on God, going west, going north, going south. Uh, How has that happened for you before? Well, 
just in my preparation time, I'm always thinking, I wonder where I'm going first. And I can pitch my tent there and he can totally change my direction. One year I thought I was going straight to Burke, but he sent me to a situation in Central Australia and it was three 800-kilometre days driving, which I hadn't done for a very long time. But I went to this family and I stayed with them and ministered so thoroughly into that situation till everything was done. And I could go away there knowing that God was well pleased that they'd been established and, and stabilised in their new ventures. It's that diverse. I always remember a wonderful conversation with an older pastor about 30 years ago who was coaching me on pastoral care. And uh, he said something very profound. He said, Neil, when you turn up at someone's house, never assume that everything is all right. And I'm just as you're reflecting on some of these things and having had some conversations with you before. And when you turn up and it might be at some remote cattle station or it could be a remote community and and we might be thinking, oh, everything will be rosy. Everything will be wonderful. But let us in on some insights here, Liz. Uh, rarely, if ever, is everything all right. Those people need to have someone who is a pastor coming in and helping in the situation to understand and get in context for what's going on. Mm, that's so true. Um, one of the greatest keys that I feel God has given me is to be anonymous. No signage on vehicles, no um, advertising materials, um, just like almost like an undercover servant of God. And I can just I just turn up at a property in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt um, and I can strike up a conversation. Heard you fellows have been going through a very tough time out here for a long time. And um, I was born and bred on the land all my life. And just wonder if there's anything I can do to help you. And that is the uh, conversation that uh, then out of that, um, they're happy often, most times very happy to invite you in for a cup of tea, only once not so. And that turned out really well as well. So it's that anonym, an anonymity that... Um, uh, and it's a place of um, throwing yourself on God. It's a place of humility. It's a place of desiring to just be his hands and feet in such a needy region. That drives me to keep going. Interested in the bush welcome that you get when you're turning up, unannounced, as you say, because uh, for city people, uh, they would be thinking, surely people might be rather... Uh, uh, suspicious about someone turning up unannounced. But country people are not always like that. In fact, country people are open to a visitor. If you turn up at a, a property and uh, you're unannounced, uh, you're there for a reason. It's not been easy for you to get there. So there's often a warm welcome, a welcome mat that's out for you. Well, that is the beauty of the way the Lord has uh, asked me to do this. It's... um. It's turning up and seeing everything as it really is. They haven't put their best clothes on. They haven't made a special morning tea. They haven't like put on their game face, for want of a better word. You're just seeing things as they really are. And um, with the discernment of God, you can see these people are not traveling well. And it's the love of God that just reaches in and nurtures and um, unlocks, if you like, for want of a better word, unlocks hearts, unlocks situations, and you're just the very right person at the very right moment. 
for such a time as that. And as you say, you've been doing this now uh, for 15 years and you're out for months and months at a time. Uh, undoubtedly, there'll be some people that you'll call on again and uh, check on their circumstances, uh, renew those friendships, uh, renew that pastoral connection. Uh, I imagine you've probably got a few of those in the diary. Absolutely. There's a lot of rich relationships that have been formed over these many years and a lot of walking Part of my um, job description, for want of a better word, is to walk with people through the challenges of life. So when something serious happens in their family, they know who to call. They know I will walk through with them to see it come out the other side. That would be the major part. It's not just a one-off visit and then nothing, but it's the follow-up and the walking through the trials of life that is the most powerful part of this work. And Liz, here you are. This, you know, let's just talk about this quite openly here because uh, people don't expect a woman on her own uh, to be out on remote uh, roads, uh, towing a caravan and being out for months on your own. And some people might uh, hail as heroes, uh, those men who might decide to do that and be sort of pastoral connections uh, into these remote communities. But it's unusual that there might be a woman doing that, and yet you do it so wonderfully. You you seem to love the opportunity to be there, uh, even in circumstances that could be difficult. Uh, how do you actually carry yourself? Uh, you know, are you concerned about security issues? Or I mean, this is you've, you've you've grown up in the bush, so some of those things are normal for you. But take us into a little insight here, because uh, as a woman doing that, it's quite unusual. Well, I have such an incredible um, understanding of the protection that's around about me, angels on assignment that accompany me. I never get lonely. I just know that I know that I'm about my father's business. So when I'm about my father's business, he who touches me touches the apple of his eye. So I know that I know that I'm right in the center in the zone and I just go fearlessly in that and I'm never afraid. I just know very strongly my sovereign protection. Now, we're going to talk about some of the things you do while you're out on one of these wonderful expeditions, but uh, for those who are listening to our conversation now, and uh, we're going to be talking through the next 45 minutes or so uh, ongoing, but uh, when they know that you might be coming to a town nearby, do people set up opportunities in advance or do you normally just uh, let these things happen by divine appointment? I often just let it flow, but this year I'm just letting people know, for instance, up in North Queensland there was a lot of interest in getting like half a dozen babies dedicated and so there we have to set in dates and things like that and so we'll give them a general date that, so they can just go to work in their district and uh, they can organise their baby dedications or christenings, bush christenings. Some of these will be on the bank of a creek, on the bank of a river. Um, others will be under a shady tree in their on their properties, um, but all a lot up in a little um, little cluster up around the Lind up in North Queensland where we have a library, a lending library of wonderful um, resources for the people in that district to avail themselves of, and they do avail themselves of them.
Uh, we'll open our talkback lines in a few moments. You might like to contribute to our conversation uh, just how significant it might be in a remote community when someone like Liz arrives. And uh, you might like to even have your own comments about a, a female minister of the gospel arriving because sometimes uh, we might even think that uh, that women on properties uh, and in remote communities uh, might actually love to see a female minister of the gospel arriving on their doorstep. But I want to ask you, Liz, before we uh, just go to a break, uh, you're in these communities. You mentioned bush christenings. And there are all sorts of things that a minister of the gospel serves people in. And some of those are the milestones that we go through, whether it's a wedding, uh, sometimes it's a funeral or a memorial service, or when you talk about bush christenings, uh, this opportunity to have someone come and uh, lead a bush christening, this is a very powerful and exciting opportunity. Well, they so welcome it. They love, they, they are waiting with expectancy um, I do um, a short message on family and the value of family and the rightful place of, of the men in those families and urging the young men to rise up and lead and to be those kind of men that have got wisdom and and uh, right order in family life. So And they welcome, they love that kind of um, uh, min, me, uh, input. They just love it. But um, I just might say here, Neil, that if anyone listening today on Vision um, in a particular outback area would like babies dedicated slash christened, bush christenings, um, a renewal of wedding vows is something that i found that people that have gone through some very, very hard years just want to make take a breather and make a recommitment to each other, um, you know, in this in this season. And so I just love doing renewal of wedding vows. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. It's Neil with you and our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You can also leave a note on a post on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Liz Howland is our guest from Ray of Hope Ministries. Liz, let's take a call. Let's talk for, to Steve from Cabramurra in New South Wales. Is that right, Steve? Steve, welcome along. Steve, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Steve, we've got you. Yeah, no, what I'm are your thoughts? Um, um, well, um, um, I just uh, caught the conversation just coming in. I've just arrived. Um, I'm a cleaner working for girls. Uh, up in the Cabramara 2.0 Stone Hydro. We've spoken before now. Good. Um, my question was, um, uh, I uh, thought the same, the anonymity of going out and witnessing uh, stuff. I've spent uh, 24 years of my life living in the city and 23 years in the country. And there's definitely some unique differences between people and the, what, the way in which they are either open to uh, communication or not, and it's a nice skill to be able to have also walked across the globe going into other countries to pick up people's mannerisms. But uh, I was contemplating putting uh, a dove or a cross on my car, and I randomly changed my car registration from ACT to New South Wales and ended up by the RMS guy saying, look, I'd love it if I could at least get my initials in it with uh, SG on my plates. Anyway, the first plate he pulled up had CS345Q. 
for me at the moment, the motivation is that it's uh, Christ, Saviour, God, and four or five passage from 21 of Revelations in Q. Steve, it's, uh, it's certainly, you know, it's interesting little connection there with uh, initials and what they might stand for. Uh, just to pick up on this idea of anonymity, and uh, with Liz here in the studio with me, when you do turn up and you are anonymous, uh, in smaller communities, everybody does know everybody else's business, so if someone's got something deeper to talk about, and it might be on a spiritual level, this sort of anonymity is important. As Steve suggests, uh, people in the city perhaps uh, don't appreciate that anonymity as being so important as people in the bush. What are your thoughts for Steve and, and on that issue, Liz? I think it's vitally un- important to have an understanding of the people group that you've been called to. It's a different thing between just going because you feel you can or it's a good idea but being actually called and propelled into a particular people group where your passion is so deep that you can't not go. Steve, when were you actually intending to go into outback communities too and do some sort of Christian ministry? Was that what your intention was? Uh, well, surprisingly, I had a, uh, a minister who's just recently joined our church and gave us a BCA um, uh, ministry, ministry um, presentation that he was, uh, his wife was called to, uh, Bush Church uh, Aid. Uh, yep. yep. So to go into the uh, remote communities, and the interesting then cross with that was that I had some shares in the private um, mining tenement company and the exact national park and the Pilbara area were being splashed on pitches when he was presenting it and we'd never spoken about something that we're talking with the Aboriginal people about potential uh, opportunities to come into some sort of cooperative arrangement. But you ran that story uh, a month ago or so about obviously the God TV going out Mm, to um, rural communities and at this stage the only way I can get your network is by uh, obviously mobile phone connection. But... uh, Either way, at the moment I'm a born-again Christian with limited recall capacity on the Bible, so I don't feel confident enough that I have normal fleshly life experience. No, Steve, look, it is so good to hear from you, and just reflecting on that too, because you recognise the value of what it is for Christian ministry in remote areas, and, uh, of course, working with... uh, uh, the church uh, Bush Aid and of course that's an Anglican church ministry and they do wonderful work they've got bases all around the country and uh, the sorts of things we're talking about today some of those things would be undertaken by a church Bush Aid but Steve great to get your insight thank you so much for your point on anonymity and and to hear of the things that you're interested in uh, very very good to know thanks very much for being with us today on 2020 Uh, Just about five minutes out from news, Liz, let's come back to these bush weddings because one of the interesting things that you noted was that sometimes people like to rededicate their vows. They they like to have a a fresh uh, focus back on their wedding. Uh, That's something that is fairly popular in communities where you're visiting? I would say that it's something deep in the heart of many, many, probably more women than men, but uh, something that would be such a rich experience for them that when it's offered, they would really love that. 
So, uh, so when you're actually out and uh, say you arrived on a remote property uh, and you've raised this idea of uh, renewing wedding vows, uh, give us a little idea of the reactions you get. Uh, it's welcomed. It's very a welcome thing because you know most of us when we get married, we get married with very little true understanding of what might lie ahead. And uh, we just live our life and then we get caught in the busyness of life. We have children. We have all kinds of pressures and especially in the bush. The pressures in these last however long have been incredibly severe. And sometimes we lose sight. It can either drive people together in a stronger bond or it can split them wide apart where they're just hanging on by a thread. And sometimes just having a conversation with them about how's your marriage travelling? How are you communicating and connecting? I know you've got a lot of pressure on you. Is um, having a little um, informal service to renew your ved- wedding vows something that you would be interested in or do you know friends that may be interested in renewing their wedding vows? Like a recommitment, we've done these tough yards and now we're recommitting to continue on together. And it's interesting because, as you say, the women are particularly interested in that because while they're juggling everything else uh, in a farm setting, a cattle station, a sheep station, wherever that might be, they're juggling everything, holding everything together. Uh, the extra thing that they're concerned about is the relationships within their own family. And so the idea of recommitting to wedding vows gives that extra impetus, that extra uh, consolidation of the relationships necessary to make these things happen. Yes, because ultimately family is the most important thing that we can ever invest into. If we have strong family, then nothing seems um, impossible. But we need to have our family so strong, the marriage is strong. Communication, I carry a lot of resources for strengthening of communication and resources. Uh, one in particular book I've just bought this time for the uh, trip is um, having hard conversations, which I think is going to be a really great tool uh, for a lot of families uh, in the outback. And just even, as you said before, about um, when the children are leaving home and they're getting careers because there's just absolutely no income for them to make a living. So they have to work away and have other different careers. And these aging parents are still on the land on these properties and just putting one foot in front of the other wondering where it's all going to end. And the idea of being in some way dysfunctional in your marriage or in your family, uh, we might assume that everybody's very happy out on the farm, but that's not always the case. Uh, There are families that do it just as tough as families everywhere and you've got a rift between a husband and a wife or you've got uh, some level of rift between parents and their children. Uh, You've got all of these pressures of being able to have your children uh, grow up into those years when they can actually take over the family business and uh, a lot of things at risk if you don't actually have the family intact. That's that's so true and... um People in the bush, like the, sometimes you can get lost in the busyness of life and you need time out to regroup and reconnect. It has to be a priority because, um, you know, it's so important and valuable for families to function in that way to reach their full potential in what they're able to do. And if you're just allowing yourself to drift 
you're actually not doing all you need to do because when you say coming back around and recommitting to those wedding vows mm-hmm. uh, or even having the wedding or the you know bringing the family together and the the whole community for a bush christening mm-hmm. uh, these things reinforce the value of what family is and without that reinforcement uh, you can be left dangling and things can be left to disintegrate well i've i've ministered to and spoken with so many uh, a lot of men actually whose wives have left because they because it's just got all too hard and too desolate and difficult for them. And the men are left there on their own on these properties and they are trying to cope. Liz was born into a pioneering central Queensland rural family. These days, Liz travels extensively into remote outback communities in New South Wales, Queensland and into the Northern Territory, sometimes sleeping in a tent when necessary. She has a vehicle laden with all sorts of wonderful materials that help those who are facing many, many challenges. Pastor Liz Howland from Ray of Hope Ministries is with us in the studio. Liz, we've been talking about the sorts of things that relate to people and you load up your uh, the boot of the car, the caravan, and uh, and listeners to our conversation today will be familiar with the word for today. Yes. Just a wonderful devotional. Well, you are like one of our biggest distributors of those. Uh, something like three and a half thousand of those uh, will be in boxes in your caravan stored somewhere securely, and you'll end up giving out those left, right, and centre over the months ahead. Well, they get mailed out, actually, Neil. I have a team of people who will mail those out from home, reaching three and a half thousand families and individuals across Queensland, uh, New South Wales, Northern Territory. Um, so that will be done from my home by a team of wonderful uh, ladies uh, in my absence this particular time. But that amazing little booklet is almost like it is a word in season. We are actually saturating regions right now from Jericho to Winter, north to Aramac and Mataburra. Word for today is going into every household in those regions. And I truly believe the spirit atmosphere is changing over these areas and that uh, it, when people are on the same page, they read that little half-page message in the morning. It just gives them a brighter outlook. It picks them up. It gives them life and they've got hope to go on for another day. Regular listeners will have their own testimonies of the power and significance of the word for today, and you are reinforcing that uh, with that sort of testimony. Uh, Late last year, we had a little extra one of those word for today's, uh, Hope in Hard Times. It was sent out to uh, rural communities that were specifically under this dreadful drought conditions that are still existent in uh, so many of these Western communities, uh, that was also a very helpful thing. That little booklet, Words of Life in Hard Times, was the most strategically timed uh, print that I've... I was just so overwhelmed with the value of that little booklet because at that time there was, there'd been no rain. This was in January. December, January had been... Hottest temperatures on record in the in some of the areas uh, where I visit, the hottest on record. Many bearing in mind, many of these people, um, the few livestock they had left um, were being just the heat was just decimating them. And then following on after that came those horrendous floods, oh, which yeah. wiped out up to fifty percent of up some people's Gulf. yeah up in the Gulf Country and Western Northwestern Queensland. 
But those little, that little book, Words of Life in the Hard Times, the timing of it, that reached into families after Christmas in January and just would have, we will not know this side of heaven, the impact and the blessing that has had on the people that received that little booklet. And I want to carry those again on this trip and just have them up my sleeve for specific situations and, uh, that because they were just, they were definitely straight from the throne of God for the people in the bush. So many in those communities and particularly just reflecting on the Gulf and those dreadful flood conditions uh, that really wiped out uh, so many of the herds. Uh, some of those families will take years uh, to endeavour to recover and whether they'll ever get to the, the full strength, who knows. Uh, but this is an area you actually will likely find your way up into the Gulf on this particular trip. Very definitely. It, it, the hardship is just unimaginable on so many levels, not just lack of income and lack of um, a, a loss of um, asset and all those things, but the personal and emotional toll on bush people because people on the land love their animals. They love their cattle. They love their horses. They love their dogs. They love their sheep. And it's almost like to some people it's death in the family. When you've been breeding bloodlines for generations to get them to a particular um, standard or getting better and better every year and this sort of thing happens, it's not just a financial blow but it's emotional, mental it's just almost like a knockout punch to very so many people. And interestingly, uh, for people who are listening to our conversation in the city, there's something special about the gospel message for people who are in the bush. And if we were reflecting on the biblical accounts, uh, even Jesus' parables, uh, these were into an, uh, what people would say is an agrarian culture where agriculture was what their livelihood was founded upon. And so when you go into outback communities uh, where there's farming and where there's cattle and there's sheep, uh, the sorts of stories that you relay as a minister of the gospel, they have some deeper meaning because this is the sort of culture that we're actually accustomed to when we read the Bible. That's exactly right. And the people in the bush have this inner knowing, an innate sense that there's someone bigger than me they see it in nature. They, nature is very important to people on the land and in in the bush, generally speaking, in country regions where they choose to call that they choose to call home. And so, um, just being able to um, identify with them, as I can from being on the land for most of my life, um, I can then bring understanding um, how God revealed Himself to me in my most difficult challenges of life, and that. Uh, they get that. I've been through bushfires and floods and breakdown of marriage and all sorts of uh, challenges in this life that would really, I'd normally put someone, you know, away for a long time. And you are based in a coastal community these days. But as you say, this was your experience. You've been there and done that. And for a minister of the gospel to arrive, who was just a city slicker in that terminology, uh, arriving in the bush thinking, uh, I'll go out there and I'll be connecting with uh, all those people in rural communities and on cattle stations and sheep stations. Some of that doesn't work quite so well. But your history makes you ready, willing and able to be able to meet people at their point of need. That's exactly right, Neil. But the most important thing is to be driven by compassion, driven by the love of God. 
without love, it is of no effect whatsoever. But when you are driven by, you know, when Jesus did his greatest miracles, it always it says, and Jesus, comma, moved with compassion, comma, did thus and so. And so for us, it has to be birthed in what drives us to compassion. Listeners out there today um, that are listening to this broadcast that may be in the city, I would like to ask you this question today. What drives you with compassion? What moves you with compassion? Because that's where you will find your call. Everyone, we can all make a difference. We're not not just one or two people, but we've all got a call and what drives us with compassion and love has to be our motivating uh, force uh, for us to be effective. Liz, take us a little deeper here. We mentioned a little earlier that when you are arriving, uh, oftentimes unannounced, uh, on the doorstep at a cattle station or a sheep station, and you've got the welcome mat out, and you said it's very, very rare for people to... Uh, you know, to say, hey, what are you doing here? I'm suspicious about your arrival. But when you get into that family, and we talked about the value of your being a woman as a minister of the gospel here too, but there are a lot of very hard-hearted people who are business-oriented. Uh, they're driven in their passion for their farming existence. Uh, sometimes this idea of the hard exterior shell. Do you find that on the inside, those people who have the hard exterior, you know, they're battle-hardened in some sense, having dealt with all of the challenges, the drought and the bushfires and the, the rains and the floods. I mean, are there those people that have that sort of softness, the soft center? Absolutely, and and God gives me the ability to see that soft center. But I'll just keep going back to love is the key that opens every door. It opens up the hardest heart. True love and true compassion and true mercy and grace helps people unlock, and they begin to share their heart. They begin to go deeper. They begin to trust. They begin to share and get to the deep concerns of their heart. Even the most hard-hearted person when they're uh, met with genuine love of Jesus Christ, respond to it. And, of course, there's going to be times that are solemn moments, at times when you are talking about the deep issues, even the trauma of having gone through what some people on the land have gone through, and then contrasting that with these other times of celebration. Let's come back to the happy side of this again, because when you're going to be in communities over these next few months and there are going to be those bush christenings, uh, sometimes it's going to be the, uh, the rededication of wedding vows, uh, where there's going to be bush weddings and things like that. Uh, these sorts of things, which can't be all organised at the drop of a hat, so some of that's going to be organised in advance. Yes. So if you're doing a wedding in the bush, how does that actually look? Uh, you've done a bunch of these. You mentioned, yes. you know, on the on the, the on the the banks of a creek, or uh, I guess you'd go into town and uh, be at a country pub. How do those sorts of things work? Well, it's often by relationship where I've walked through difficult times with people, and then they choose they then get married. They ask me to come and do the wedding. So it's usually a prior relationship building season that I've had with that person that they ask me to do their wedding. So that can be very, very rich. And so give us a little insight into a typical wedding that you might have led. Well, one was in far out back Queensland between Quilpie and um, Thargaminda. And I met this gentleman in a bog hole north of Quilpie. Um, 
I didn't get bogged and he did, so I had his attention, I had his respect right from the word go. And uh, <coughs> he told me a little bit of his story that he had been in a church in another state and uh, he was an ex-Vietnam vet. And this gentleman had um, kind of let go of his manners one day in church. A young man spilt boiling hot coffee on him and he mm. had hauled off and punched him. And he was so ashamed of himself that he escaped to this uh, uh, rehabilitation home north of Quilpie. And that's when the Lord used me to meet with him, divine intervention. And I just knew that there was no no, mis- no mistake. And I just said to him, look, I'm going to be around Quilpie for a few days. I said, if you want to have a cup of tea and a pie at the pie shop with me, um, I'll meet you there. And so I was just there and nothing happened. But the day I was about to leave, I was in the post office and posting off something and here this man was in the queue behind me and said, hey, Liz, you got time for that cup of uh, coffee? Yep. And we went over to the pie shop and he poured out the whole story about what he'd done. And he was actually asking for forgiveness. He was repenting for everything that he'd done that he was unashamed, of, that he was ashamed of. And, um, and so, and we had, the, and then I prayed with him as I always do. I never leave without asking, may I pray? And we prayed. And so I just kept in touch with him over the months and he met a lovely lady. And so they decided to get married at the Tomb Pine Pub. And that's a fairly well-known um, uh, place for people that have travelled in the far west. And so we had the wedding uh, in the red dirt out under a tree. I went the day before to see where the shade would be for the wedding. We had it in the red dirt. And it happened to be grand final day of the uh, uh, rugby league. So we had to plan the wedding. We had the service. And then everyone adjourned to the pub to watch the grand final on a very small television in the pub. And then after that, we had the celebration of the wedding. And all the community contributed. They decorated the hall. They provided the food. They were just this wonderful teamwork of making this such a special day for this beautiful couple. And, you know, I'm just imagining the atmosphere. And as you say, you're out in the red dirt. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be a hot day, grand final day. Uh, Well, sort of springtime could be a very hot day. Uh, you could be brushing away a few flies. <laughs> That's something that, uh, and you know, you, the the sounds of the birds in the trees. Uh, you know, I'm talking galahs and uh, all sorts of outback sounds that really give the outback that wonderful atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So, let's continue our conversation. Let's take a call. Shelby is on the line. Hello, Hi. Shelby. Welcome along. Yeah. Good morning, Neil and uh, Lynn. Is it? Did you say? It's Liz. Uh, Liz is with us today. Liz, yeah, yeah, Liz, Liz, Liz. I'm, uh, um, I'm a uh, farmer's son, and um, in the rural uh, of the Redlands and that in Brisbane. Uh, but um, I've been, I've lived in the outback. I've lived in Catherine, Northern Territory. I've been through the outback, and I know exactly what you're um, saying. And it's just incredible that you're out there. And you know, I was just thinking uh, this morning in our radio, we had girl power. Uh, little Alex and uh, Becky on. <laughs> we did, <laughs> and, uh, that's right. I just think of, it's just so fantastic that you're out there doing exactly, and I'm listening to everything that you're saying, and I know it so well. Um, I've seen some of the heartbreak. <laughs> but, you know, I just praise you and know that the Lord is really um, obviously um, backing you up in every way because, you know, I, I understand that things would be happening, and some of those stories that you're telling us, just incredible 
And, you know, um, it's great, to, I think, that city people should go out to their country and, you know, live in a little town for a little while or at least go and visit for a holiday and get to know some of these people because... Shelby, um, good thoughts we, there. Of course, what's important here, of course, is that uh, Liz is made for this. She's just not a city girl who decided to go and be in the bush. She's a bush girl who now might live in the city but is actually exercising this wonderful opportunity to be a minister of the gospel to people in the bush. Uh, Anything you'd like to pick up on there that Shelby is sharing, Liz? Well, Shelby, thank you so much for understanding and your kind words. And But you know what? I don't see uh, gender issues at all. I have, like, I just happen to be a woman and I've got the most amazing men friends that... um, uh, lift up my hands, pray for me, help me do some heavy lifting. Um, I'm very, very blessed woman in that way. And um, really, if you strip back what my heart is, it's to see the men of Australia rise into their place as the godly heads of their home. And I will spend the rest of my life with every breath I have just encouraging men and cheering them on into their rightful place because I know when the men are in their rightful place, Everything else comes into order and that biblically speaking. And so, um, I don't, I can't even see that it's any wonder, but, um, I'm just, I'm an obedient, I'm being obedient. I'm an obedient servant being the hands and feet of, feet of Jesus as best I know how. Thank you so much to Shelby for your call and one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. but I think we might have to put a, a, a line under any calls just running short of time. I did want to ask you, Liz, about the resources that you carry. Of course, uh, when we talked about the word for today and other special resources for marriages because those things need to be encouraged. Really love to hear you reflecting on uh, on the value of young men in these communities because you're, you've raised four sons uh, so you know the value of a son in a family and men in a family and the the need to take those responsibilities which are sometimes uh, challenging to take but when you arrive into some communities the needs are quite desperate Uh, you've been known to have on hand gift cards uh, that you've been able to be a blessing to people and that of course has flow on effects into uh, the local shops and the supermarkets Uh, give us an indication here just how important it is, because I know that uh, you'd love to have a few more donations to enable those gift cards uh, to be more available. Uh, What's your thoughts about the value of holding a gift card when you're on these travels? The value of the gift cards over the last several years, which I do believe was a God idea at the time back in 2016, has had the most immeasurable impact into families. And... um, I just get, uh, because these are, you know, you can use them online and you can, or you can use them in your own community. The Visa gift cards are the ones that I prefer to carry. Sometimes a Coles or a Woolworths ones doesn't cut it because they're 500k from a Coles or a Woolworths. Yeah. So the Visa, um, prepaid gift cards are just so powerful. And not only do they bless these families, the feedback I've had from businesses in small towns and, um, and, and individuals, the stories that I've heard back via the phone calls to say thank you and the conversations we've had and the prayer opportunities that that opens up for these people is just beyond anything I could imagine. And uh, then it opens into um, being invited to visit them 
in their areas when I'm out there um, and then I have these wonderful connections with them and then it's not just a one-hit wonder because I follow it up with Word for Today which is the greatest lifeline I can place in their hands. And so um, it's this uh, this big blueprint that God himself has given me to be able to effectively um, minister and bring hope and the love of God into the lives of these um, isolated people. Uh, how much is the typical gift card that you would give away uh, to a family that was in need uh, in one of these isolated areas? Well, if I have enough come in, I I love to give two hundred dollar gift cards, which then there's a fee of five ninety five to purchase it. Um, but even like a hundred dollar gift card, the distance that these people can make it go just astounds me. What they do with it, they are phenomenal managers of money. And so, hundred dollar gift cards are so welcome. Two hundred dollars are even better. But um, it can and if people want to give to that particular thing, um. Then we can give you the bank details. Um, Neil will give them to you, but and but designated specifically gift cards for the bush, and that will go all towards uh, the purchase of gift cards, which will be given out as I travel when I come to these great needs. Now, for people who want to support that initiative, and a wonderful initiative it is, and at your discretion, when you're coming across people in need on your three-month travels into the outback, uh, it's obviously a very useful thing to be able to be a blessing to people uh, with something substantial like a gift card. Uh, Is there detail on your website, lizhowland.com, where people can get those bank details? Yes, they can. Okay, so well, let's point people to that website and undoubtedly you'd like a few more friends, a few more partners and for people who want to connect with you, uh, we haven't even got time to go into all of the wonderful connections that are being made because you're opening up opportunities for other ministries to come in after you, uh, men's ministries to come into communities where you've discovered a need. Uh, So let me just point people to that website, lizhowland.com, L-I-Z. H-O-W-L-A-N-D dot com and uh, you can make a contribution towards uh, that wonderful ministry and uh, get some of those gift cards happening for people who are in remote communities, whether that's New South Wales, Queensland or the Northern Territory, where Liz Howland is about to set off on her next expedition. I think it's the end of this week or early next week. You're on your way again, loading up your car, loading up a caravan and hitting the trail into the outback from your home in southeast Queensland. Uh, Liz Howland, wonderful getting your insights and stories once again. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. Can I just mention the men's resources I carry? Our good mate, Ian Watto-Watson, his resources are invaluable. I've got them in libraries and situations all over Queensland, Angus Buchan materials, a lot of incredible men's materials, even on CD as well as in book form for those that would prefer to listen. So... And if anyone wants to contact me regarding uh, baby dedication slash christenings or anything, uh, they can contact me on my email, lizhowland7 at gmail.com. And no doubt there'll be a link for that email address too on that website, lizhowland.com. Liz, great talking. We'll do this again sometime soon. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.